Well, I'm not Joe, and we're not talking about courage today. <laughs> uh, I am um, blessed. We're starting a new sermon series, uh, and we're looking at In the Field. And, and I know many of you, in fact, we went out last night, uh, me, Amanda, and Shauna, because uh, Miles and Maddox, Aren't here uh, there with my father because we were in Baltimore, so they had someone had to wash them. I don't trust my eight-year-old to take care of herself by herself, and I don't trust the fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old now uh, to wash my eight-year-old fully. Uh, you know, uh, so my my father came in and watched them, and and there now I have to pick them up later, which is more information that you wanted. But last night, me. Uh, Shauna and Amanda were out, and and you will know, if you've been out, you will know uh, Christmas is like in full force. Like it's everywhere already. And I feel this kind of, and I love, don't get me wrong, I love Christmas. I love it. It's my favorite time of year. I love the cold weather. I love the lights. I love all of it. I love eggnog so much, way more than I should. In fact, I probably should take that to God this morning. Uh, but I love eggnog uh, as well. But I feel kind of bad for Thanksgiving. Poor Thanksgiving. Oh, it's like Halloween happens and the next day Christmas just throws up everywhere. Uh, and all the ghouls and goblins and scary things are gone and they're replaced with elves and nutcrackers and reindeers, which in a certain context can be just as creepy. I feel bad for Thanksgiving, but we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving here, I think. Uh, and as we're looking at in the field, I want to talk this month about what we're talking about is the harvest. Because that's really what Thanksgiving is, giving thanks back for the harvest. And I love, as much as I love Christmas, I also love the harvest season. The leaves are changing. Like I said, we were up in Baltimore, and the leaves there are beautiful. Beautiful. Pumpkin spices everywhere. And of course, the turkeys are terrified as to what is to come. I love the harvest season. You see, harvest is important because without harvest, we starve. There's no food for us to eat without the harvest. Matthew 9 starting with the 35th verse, says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I'll say again, the harvest is important because without the harvest, we starve. Friends, the harvest is important for the church because without the harvest, we aren't doing the mission that God has laid out for us to go and make disciples. I, I love, I love, there are several times in Scripture where it says Jesus was moved with compassion or by compassion. There are many of them in the Gospels. And they are, go find them. I'm going to lay them out for you. But also later, go back and find them and read them. They are amazing stories of Christ, our loving Savior, being moved by compassion. He does it with, you remember the leper? The widow who lost her son, moved by compassion. The two blind men. And each time in these instances, the leper, the widow who lost her son, and the two blind men, Jesus being moved by compassion, moves him into action and healing. There's more, too. If you look in Matthew chapter 14, if you look in Mark 6, if you look in Mark 8, and if you look in John 6, every one of those chapters has the phrase, Jesus was moved with compassion. And it says that Christ was moved with compassion over the multitude of people. Just like here in our scripture today in Matthew 9, he was moved with compassion because of the people, the crowds of people, and how they were without a shepherd, how they were harassed and hassled and helpless. Let me ask you this this morning. Have you ever allowed the Holy Spirit to move in your heart so much that you are moved with compassion? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to soften your heart to the point that when you see something that you can help with, you are moved with compassion? I love that the God of the universe is moved by my struggles, by my difficulties. I love that. And we, being as Christ, followers of Christ, are you moved with compassion in your own life to make a difference in someone else's life? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to soften your heart towards one another? And not just those of us here, but anyone you come into contact with. And when you feel that compassion, are you moved? Are you moved? 
to action. You and us are, you and me, we are called to be like Christ. That means uncomfortable things. Because being called to be like Christ doesn't mean everything's easy, everything's great, everything's provided, everything, all that. You know that. You've lived this life long enough to know that. It makes your life uncomfortable. But you know what else it does? In those uncomfortable moments where you step out in faith and moved in compassion, it also makes your life a blessing. Not just to others, but for you as well. May we allow the Holy Spirit of God to move us in compassion for one another. The scripture doesn't stop there. It goes on in verse 37. It says, Jesus looking out said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Him talking to his disciples here saying, look at all of the harvest. But the workers are few. You see, Jesus is using this metaphor that they will all understand. And that's what a good teacher does. He uses, or he or she uses, things you understand in order to teach you something you don't. And all of them understand the harvest. Understand what I laid out at the beginning. Without the harvest, you die. Without harvest, there's famine. And he looks to his disciples and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I find it interesting that he looks to his disciples who are his fellow workers. For a farmer, if there is a lot of crop to harvest but not enough workers, what happens? The crops go bad. For a farmer, if there's all of this great harvest but not enough workers to bring it in, what ultimately happens? You, you miss so much of the potential you have. To not only feed your own family, but also to feed the town, to feed the village, to feed whatever. You missed so much potential that you had to bring in all of this and place it in the storehouse. Is it any different for us, the church? Is it any different for us? Friends, I tell you today, look at the news Walk around and see people. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. 
And, and let me delineate even further. The workers aren't those who just come to church and sit in chairs during Sunday worship. That's not what I'm talking about. You should absolutely come to church and be in fellowship with one another and encouraging with one another and learning more about Scripture. But you should also take it on yourself to be reading Scripture on your own and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to move in your life because being a worker isn't about sitting in church. This is just the pep rally, guys. That is what this is. No game is won or lost at the pep rally. We could have the most amazing worship and the most amazing preaching. All of that. We can have all of these things. We can be great in fellowship. We can have the most amazing food. And some of you bring the most amazing food. And I am grateful. That is not to belittle any of those things. But what I am saying to you is this is a piece of what the church is. This is not the whole thing. And friends, the Salvation Army was raised up not to be a church, but to be a mission. A movement of God. That is who we are. We are not another church. We are a movement of God if we rely on him and move as he has called us to. Are you one of the workers? Jesus looking to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Do we have enough workers in the field? Do we have enough people who are willing to work and not look for credit, just look to glorify God and all that they do? Do we have enough to bring in, to meet our potential? To bring in all of the harvest that we can. Now, and, and, and let me be even more clear. I am not talking about growing this church. Okay? I am talking about building the kingdom of God. Because that is far more important than building the church. And I believe that if we are faithful in building the kingdom of God and making other people see the importance of a relationship with Christ, God's going to take care of the rest of that anyway. Are we kingdom builders? Are we farmers in the field harvesting for our Lord? It goes on. Verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Verse 38, ask then the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Every time, as I laid out early, every time 
Christ is moved with compassion. He moves into action. Every single time. Again, the leper is healed. Not only healed, but the leopard is also told where he needs to go to be brought back into society. He is given practical advice of where to go and what to do. The blind men see. The son of the widow was raised from the dead. And it is no, it is no different here in our scripture we're talking about today in Matthew 9. Jesus moved with compassion, moves into action. And what's his action here? He looks to his disciples and tells them to ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. What does that sound like to you? He's saying to his disciples, pray. In the church, I think, I think sometimes, I, I'll say for myself, I think sometimes for myself, I underestimate the power of prayer. I undervalue what prayer does. Here's God, God himself, looking to these 12 men and saying, there's not enough, pray. Part of us being grafted into Christ is communicating with Christ. That's what it is, right? We, 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 we like to, and we talked about prayer this morning in, in our teen Bible study, our teen Sunday school class. We talked about the Lord's Prayer and what that means and asking and seeking and knocking and what does that mean and all of that stuff. And I say that laid out to you today. Pray. We sometimes feel like prayer is like, well, I don't know the right words, or I can't say the right thing, or so what? God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. So what? If you don't know the right words to say, God knows what you mean. God understands your heart and your mind. You don't even have to say it out loud. God understands. We sometimes treat prayer like it's a the lottery or a casino where we pull the lever and will I get that we use the when I was a kid I prayed for a bike will I get that bike god I never got that bike That's not what prayer is looking to his disciples Teaching them. Because part of the point of this is teaching these 12 and teaching us. It's not just about the multitude of crowds there that need hope, that need it. 
It's also about us and these learning. You see a problem? If you're like me, you see a problem, your first response is to jump into action and fix the problem. Right? That drives my wife crazy. Uh, and I find that in most marriages, men are typically like, I'm going to jump in the action when sometimes it's not about that. It's just about listening. But I'm slow to listen sometimes. Sometimes when there's a problem in front of us, we jump right into action to try to fix it. And I've talked about this before in my own personal life. The way I view that now, when I jump into action right along to fix it, I view that now as me saying to God, go sit in that chair, I got this. And that has helped me to understand my mindset towards God sometimes. Because I would never say that to God, but my actions show God that. Sit in that chair over there, I got this. When sometimes, every time, there's something in front of me, an issue, a problem, or someone that needs Christ, do I stop and engage with the divine? Do I stop and pray the Holy Spirit may guide me and lead me? Do I stop? Which Jesus didn't say the workers are few, so you 12 run out there. Go get them. It's not what he says. Ask then the Lord of the harvest to provide. Do you believe? Do you truly believe that God will provide? Because there it is. If you believe that, you are moved by the Holy Spirit and trusting in those prayers that God will provide. But if you don't, maybe you're more like me and jumping right into action saying, I got this. May we continually be working in the field, but may we also be intentional and in praying for fellow workers. And may we also be intentional in how we train others around us. This morning is all about who's in your field. You know what I love about the church? You didn't choose me. I didn't choose you. That's not how this works. We are so eclectic and strange and so diverse not just in how we look, where we come from, how we think. I love that about us. Are you praying for one another? Do you know each other's names? Are you praying for one another? Are you intentional in your interactions with one another? As iron sharpens iron, are we training one another? Because I can learn from you just as much as you can learn from me. So he looks to his disciples and says, pray then. Ask the Lord of the harvest 
for more. Do you know what happens in the next chapter? Chapter 10? What's next? Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Then he sends them out. Jesus and the 12 disciples had a little prayer meeting and then they went out into action. You see, it takes both. But the order matters. Are you seeking the face of God? Are you seeking his goodness and his will for not only your life, but to be a part of helping other people see God's hand in their life. And then are you moved to action? Jesus got them, asked them for workers. And then he said, all right, you 12, go. And if you read on later, as we've been studying the book of Luke, a little later on, Jesus sends how many? Not 12 the next time. He sends 72. Six times as many. Why not today? Why not now? These, the scriptures aren't just stories. These are real people that it really happened to. And why can't it happen today? It can and does. The question I have for you is, are you praying for those in the field with you? Are you praying for God's fellow workers who are sitting next to you, who are standing next to you, who are in the trenches with you in spiritual warfare? There's a reason why in the Salvation Army I have this uniform on. There's a reason why when we talk about tithing, it isn't just tithe, it's called firing a cartridge. We use all of these military terminologies not because it's fun, I mean... It's nice to not have to choose what I'm going to wear, I guess. It makes my morning to pick easy. But it's to remind us that the harvest is plentiful. Are we working in the field? And are we praying for those who are working alongside us? And are we looking for more people to join in alongside us? Because sometimes what we do as Christians, sometimes what we do as believers is we turn into martyrs. Don't you see all this work I'm doing? Where's the rest of you guys? We turn into martyrs and we make it about us. It's never been about you. Outside of God saving you, His will for your life. Is to move and to go and make disciples. And each of us have specific callings. Each of us have unique, specific callings. But that one big calling, that's all of us. Whether we have the gift of evangelism or not, that is all of us is called to go and find fellow workers to move us forward. May we not allow the harvest to spoil. May we not allow ourselves to miss the full potential of what God has for us because we miss out on the blessing 
of the divine. And at the end of my life, there's only a couple things that matter to me. My family is definitely one of them. But my relationship to Christ and how I want to be relentless in the pursuit of fulfilling the mission of God to share his good news to as many people as possible. Whether they receive that or not is not my doing, but that I am faithful in delivering the good news. This morning, as the music plays, who's in your field? Are you lifting them up? Are you praying before you move into action? Are you even moving into action? Are you allowing God to order your steps? This morning, as the music plays, won't you come and receive the holiness and goodness of God and the vigor and the courage to live uncomfortable lives for the salvation and hope of others. Won't you come?